Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning. Thank you. It's a privilege and a joy for me to be here this morning. And I bring you greetings from your little sister church in Germany, Free Evangelical Church of Mülheim in Germany. Um, Our people there know that these are important times and difficult times for this church as you face important decisions next week. And uh, the church over there in Mülheim prays with you and for you that um, the Lord's will be done. Our sermon text this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23 and verses 13 to 36, substantial amount of text. Matthew 23, 13 to 36, and this is Jesus talking to the crowds in Jerusalem. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness 
against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar." Truly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. This is the word of the Lord. Woe to you. Jesus pronounces his judgment on the scribes and the Pharisees. Woe. It's his cry of damnation. Woe to you, you're damned. You're cast out of the presence of the Lord. You're cast out of the community of his people. Woe is Jesus' cry of conviction. You felon, you will face your just punishment. Woe is Jesus' cry announcing disaster. You will suffer terribly. Woe after woe, Jesus points out the terrible misdoings of the Jewish religious leaders and warns them, you will not escape your just punishment from God. It will be terrible. How will you escape hell? And the question begs his answer, you will not escape it. You will surely go to hell. And therefore, he calls them sons of hell. Children of hell. What a terrible verdict. Brothers and sisters, if there's anything we must avoid by all means, it is that Jesus will pronounce his woe on you and me when he returns to judge all mankind. For this text is a look on what will happen when Jesus comes to judge all mankind? To some, he will pronounce his, Whoa! And to others, he will say, Well done, good servant. And finally, woe is not only a ticket to hell, it is also an exclamation of grief, of deep distress. The Lord declares in Ezekiel 18, I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies. God grieves over every man and woman who turns away from him, turns away from his word, and goes to hell. And therefore, the Lord warns us, repent, turn from your wicked ways, and live. Our text stands at the end of a long conversation between Jesus and the religious leaders of the Jews, chief priests, Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. 
Matthew reports that a large crowd of people were standing by. They were listening and watching their leaders as they were trying to trick Jesus with questions about the legality of paying taxes to Rome, about the resurrection of the dead, about the order of the laws of God. They were trying to ensnare him so that they might accuse him of revolt against the Romans, of false teaching, or of blasphemy. And Jesus answered all their questions, but he wouldn't get caught in the traps they set for him. And then finally, having silenced them, Jesus turned his back on the religious leaders and spoke to the crowd and said, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That is, the scribes and Pharisees are your religious teachers and judges. They teach you the law of God and they judge you according to the law of God. That is their role. And therefore, Jesus says, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do it according to their works, for they say and do not do. They are hypocrites. Hypocrites are people who say one thing and do another. The scribes and the Pharisees told the people to observe the law and the commandments of God. This the people should observe. The people should do as the Lord told them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then all the laws and commandments that follow from these two. The scribes and Pharisees were hypocrites. They pretended to keep the law and the commandments of God, but they didn't really do that. Nevertheless, Jesus says the people should do as God told them by the mouths of the scribes and the Pharisees. Only the people should do it honestly and sincerely. Observe justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, people, this is an important principle for us today. The truth and the goodness of God's law, the truth and the goodness of God's word trumps the hypocrisy and the falsehood of those who teach it. God's law and God's word are not corrupted by the corruption of those who teach it. And therefore, if you think that your pastors and teachers are not sincere, observe the word of God that they teach to you nevertheless. We sometimes despair seeing the weakness and the sins and the hypocrisy of much of the modern church. But God's word is not affected by it. Live by his word, even if you think that those who teach it to you don't do it. Practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now, having established this principle, Jesus then pronounces his judgment on the religious leaders, which culminates 
in his woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Now, what did scribes and Pharisees do to deserve this terrible verdict? The first woe is like a summary, and it is then followed by seven woes pointing to individual transgressions. And the summary is this. You have shut up the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you do not go in yourselves, nor allow those who would go in. The scribes and the Pharisees sat on Moses' seat. It was their role and responsibility to teach the people the word of God and the law of God and to judge them by it. As Moses had led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt into the good land God had promised them, the scribes and the Pharisees should lead the people out of a life in sin into a life in righteousness. For this is the kingdom of heaven in this world. The kingdom of heaven is where people submit to the Lord and live according to his will and his word. The kingdom of heaven is the community of saints of God, those who believe in him and trust him as their Lord and Savior. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must know that what the king is like, that the king is holy and merciful and loving and mighty. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must know what you yourself are like, wicked, selfish, hard-hearted, and weak. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you must realize that there's only one way to get in, to humble yourself before the Lord, to confess your sin to him, and to trust his mercy and conform your life to his ways of holiness, mercy, and love. These things the scribes and the Pharisees ought to have practiced. But they didn't. They were proud. They were stubborn. They practiced a very formal and legalistic kind of religion with no love of the Lord nor love of neighbor. They displayed the outward appearance of godly men, but inside, in their hearts and minds and souls, they were selfish, self-centered, full of deceit. They made widows, the poorest of the poor, pay money for the service of praying for them, for the service of praying about trifles, pretenses that need no prayer. And in doing so, the scribes and Pharisees made everyone understand that we must bribe God to care for us and that God takes money even from the poorest of the poor. What kind of God is that? How can you love that God and trust his mercy? And so by teaching that God takes money or he won't care for you, they shut the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and Pharisees made great efforts to make proselytes teaching them their perverted version of God's law instead of the truth of God's holiness, mercy, and love. 
These converts were led to believe that they could enter the kingdom of heaven by their own religious efforts and achievements. Such perverse religion creates a false assurance of being saved by one's own merit instead of by humility and a strong desire for God's mercy. Such men trust themselves more than they trust God. And so the kingdom of heaven was shut for them. Like their teachers, these converts became proud hypocrites marching straight to hell. The scribes and Pharisees taught that if you swear by the temple, you need not keep your oath. Only if you swear by the gold of the temple, you must. And in doing so, they made people understand that God is like a petty lawyer who plays legal tricks. And therefore, you can play legal tricks on others. Now, what kind of God is that whose law is full of tricks and swindle? How can you trust his holiness? You can't. And so the kingdom is shut. The scribes and Pharisees were extremely diligent in the smallest details of the law, but they discarded the important things. What kind of cynical God is that who demands obedience in irrelevant matters and doesn't take the important ones seriously? Who makes a joke out of his own law? How can you entrust him such important matters as your own life? Teaching the simple people a false God and a false assurance of saving themselves, the scribes and Pharisees shut up the kingdom of heaven to them. Jesus accused the scribes and the Pharisees of doing everything they could to have a bright outside appearance of righteousness and piety, while inside, that is, in their hearts and minds and souls, they were full of stinking dirt, self-indulgence, addiction to luxury and comfort, and extortion, forcing others to pay them money for worthless religious services and ceremonies. They were, Jesus says, like whitewashed tombs, the kind of tombs they have in the Middle East, little monuments built with stones or caves hewn into the mountains from the outside looking very beautiful, but what is inside? Dead corpses. The most unclean thing according to the law that if you touch it, it makes you unfit to come in the presence of the Lord and in the presence of other people. That was the state of their hearts and minds and souls. Bright shining from the outside, full of rotten, foul lawlessness inside, spiritual death untouchable for anyone loving God. The scribes and Pharisees built monuments for the Lord, for the Lord's prophets, whom their fathers had persecuted and killed, but they did not obey the practice of the word of God that these prophets had preached. You know, they should have practiced the preaching. 
and forget about monuments. But building monuments for dead prophets is a sign of reference and it has always is a sign of uh, reverence that has always been the practice of hypocrites. People who hate the message but pretend to honor the messenger. You know, a few years ago, Europe celebrated the 500th birthday of Martin Luther. The year of Luther, 2017. Martin Luther was all over the continent, honored all over the continent, while thousands of babies were murdered every month with the consent of the Lutheran Church, while gays and lesbians were married by Lutheran churches. And while the Lutheran Church agreed that refugees should be deported to where they face sure death. The truth is that Europe hates Luther's message of salvation by grace alone. Just like the scribes and the Pharisees hated the teaching of the prophets. Their fathers had broken the Lord's covenant again and again. They had persecuted, tortured, and murdered the Lord's prophets who called them to repent, to return to the Lord, and to live by his word and his law. One of these prophets Jesus mentioned was Zechariah. Zechariah, the prophet, spoke to Joash, the king of Judah in Jerusalem, the king of Judah who worshipped foreign idols. Zechariah said to him, why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. Now people, this is true today. You cannot prosper if you transgress the commandments of the Lord. You cannot prosper unless you practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness. King Joash was very displeased with the words of Zechariah, just like the people today are displeased with anyone telling them the truth. And so the king had him murdered in the temple, the house of the Lord. What a terrible sin to shed blood in that holy place. The scribes and the Pharisees, in Jesus' view, were no better than their fathers. They were guilty of the same crimes against the Lord. I send you prophets, wise men, and teachers of the law, Jesus says, and he's now speaking with the authority of his heavenly Father. You will kill them and crucify them because your hypocrisy and wickedness You will bear the punishment for all the blood of righteous men, wicked men like you have shed over the course of history. And this ends Jesus' verdict on them. Guilty of the gravest sin, the very scribes and Pharisees he spoke to would suffer the death penalty and go to hell. Now, the question to ask is, what was wrong with these guys? 
What was wrong with the scribes and the Pharisees that they ended up deserving such a terrible punishment? Do you think that in the morning the Pharisees and scribes woke up and said, Ah, I will break the law of God today. Do you think that they woke up in the morning and talked to their wives and said, Honey, I'll be a hypocrite today. You think that they came together and said, let's play false religion. Well, surely they didn't. Surely they were good willing men intending to please God. But here's what was wrong. In their desire to please God, they trusted themselves, not God. They read the law of God as a collection of things you must do regardless of the state of your heart, your mind, and your soul in order to be saved from God's punishment. Had God not declared that the man who lives by his law shall live? Yes, the Lord did. And so they counted themselves safe because they were able to keep many, many rules, formal rules. They relied on being the best of Abraham's sons instead of trusting God's mercy. They relied on their capacity to make long prayers their ability to perform many religious exercises like fasting, but they did not rely on God's mercy. The scribes and the Pharisees show you what happens if you take the law of God, you throw out the two supreme commandments as Jesus calls them, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul, and love your neighbor like yourselves. Throw these two out, and then make every effort to keep the rest. What happens is you end up loving only yourself. You end up trusting only yourself. And this is what the Apostle Paul calls the curse of the law in Galatians 3, what we heard in the Scripture reading. And you know what? Paul was speaking from experience. This was the story of his life. Paul had been a Pharisee himself, practicing formal religion himself, and in his zeal to live by the rules and do all the right things, Paul had persecuted the young church of Christ and brought many believers to prison and to death. Trusting himself, trusting his efforts to please God, Paul had become an enemy of the Lord. The law without love of God and love of neighbor becomes a, a trap for self-serving, proud, self-assured people, and thus a highway leading straight to hell. The righteous, says the Lord, shall live by faith. Now, the question for you, brothers and sisters, is this. 
How sure can you be not to make the same mistake and not to face the same terrible judgment by Jesus as the scribes and the Pharisees? How sure can you be? And the answer is, you can't. You cannot. Watch out that you don't fall into the same error as the scribes and the Pharisees. Make sure that you don't trust yourself and your religious efforts and achievements. Trust the Lord alone. Do not trust yourself. And the truth, the truth is that we are all like Pharisees and scribes, we all tend to confuse trusting God with trusting ourselves and our religious performances. If you trust the Lord and love him, you are saved. And then you will have a thirst for his holy word. But don't make the mistake which is so easy to make, which is to think that if you read the Bible every day, you're saved. No, reading the Bible doesn't save you. Trusting the Lord does. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved and you will love his people and seek their company and fellowship to worship him. But don't make the mistake of thinking that by going to church regularly, you save yourself. No, you don't. Trusting the Lord and loving his people and serving him sincerely is what saves you. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved and you will have a desire to share what he gave you with others. And you will start tithing your income or giving to the church. But don't make the mistake of thinking that by giving money to the church, you save yourself. Trusting the Lord saves you. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved. And you will spend much time in prayer. But don't make the mistake of thinking that your prayers will save you. They don't. Trusting the Lord does. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved. And he puts his Holy Spirit into your heart and you will begin to do good works. But don't make the mistake of thinking that your good works save you. Trusting the Lord does. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved and you will have a desire to live by his word and obey his commandments. But don't make the mistake of thinking that keeping the commandments saves you. Trusting the Lord does. If you trust the Lord and love him, you're saved and you will want to join his holy church. But don't make the mistake of thinking that joining the church is what saves you. Trusting the Lord does. And trusting the Lord is not your accomplishment. It is the gift from God. Now you get the point. It is not what you do that saves you. 
It is what the Lord has done for you that saves you. And that is what you must trust. True faith is to trust him alone, to trust that he has done everything necessary to bring you home to him and to eternal life in his kingdom. And the problem, brothers and sisters, is that that's very hard for us. It is very hard for us to trust God alone. Why? Because we don't see the Lord, but we can see and feel and observe what we do, and we can see and hear and feel and observe how others react to it. It is so much easier to trust in what we do, especially when others pray, praise us for it. You know, it's very easy for me to think that I'm saved because I preach every Sunday. And some people call me man of God. It is easy to trust my preaching because your reaction to it makes me feel good and safe. It is easy for you to think that you're saved because you tithe your income, you give money to the church, you pray, you come to church, you do good works, and others see it and praise you for it and say you are a true child of God. It is easy to trust our experiences because they seem so much more real, so much more tangible to us than the Word of God. And now you think, well, uh, but that's not my problem. Because I know my faith in God is true and sincere. And because the Holy Spirit tells me what I should do. But the fact is that there are many false beliefs and many different voices in the human heart, and that includes your heart. The Lord tells us so, and he searches and knows your heart better than you do. Do not trust your faith. Trust the Lord. Do not trust the voices in your heart. Trust the Lord who is outside your heart. You can never be sure that your faith is truly saving faith. You must trust the Lord that the faith he gave you, the faith you have is truly from him, and that the Lord saves you by the faith he gave you. You can never be sure that the voices in your heart are the, the voices of the Holy Spirit. You must trust the Lord that it is truly his Holy Spirit and that he gave you his spirit to assure you that he saved you. Trust the Lord alone. The minute you trust in what you do, what you are, what you believe, you become a Pharisee. And the woes of Jesus convict you. Brothers and sisters, trust the Lord alone. Never trust yourself. This is hard. 
This is hard because you must let go of all the visible, tangible assurances that you have of your salvation. It is like jumping from an airplane with no parachute, knowing that you're going to die unless the Lord stretches out his hand to catch you. It's the greatest venture of your life. And the only assurance that you have is this. The Lord's promise that he knows you. The Lord's promise that he keeps his promises to save all those who trust him and him alone. But then, he is the Lord Almighty. He is the Eternal One. He is the maker of the heavens and the earth. He is your creator, and his promises are eternally faithful. So jump. Jump, and you will see that letting go of all those false assurances makes you free to truly love him, and then to truly love your neighbor. Makes you free to practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness sincerely and Honestly, and may the Lord bless you and give you the courage to jump, the courage of true faith to trust him and him alone. Amen.